Chapter 21 Eric strode through the living room, his hands flexing into fists, his heart pounding, his breath unnatural and hard. He had to get out of here. Now. Sooner than now. This whole damn thing had been a mistake. This exercise in make-believe, this toe-dip into the world of emotion and normalcy and connection to another person. The world he had given up a long time ago, which didn't want him any more than he wanted it. Alexandra had made it seem all so possible. Her pure, loving heart had made him believe that he could actually have this, that he could face life with her, like a normal man. Christ, he really should have known better. He would never be normal. Normal men didn't capsize with emotion, didn't get absolutely overwhelmed by fear and panic and blind, seething rage. How would a normal man have reacted to hearing about this, this prick, this asshole, this dead man, this guy who had hurt her, had done such, such things? God, he couldn't even think about what the bastard had done to her. White, hot light blazed behind his eyes, made the fury rise in his throat, so thick and coarse he thought he might actually choke on it. He had to hold himself still so as not to tear through the walls or start throwing the furniture around. Had to breathe, had to control the violent images that flooded his mind. He didn't even know what this Paul Haggerty fuck looked like, yet he could still picture himself torturing the man to death, slowly, and enjoying every fucking second of it. He braced his arms on the back of the sofa and let his head fall against the inside of his arm, breathing in and out, hoping, praying for control. She and Nick had been wrong. Being with Alexandra hadn't helped him, and it only made him worse. Instead of taming the violence within him, being with her had only heightened it, given him even more reason to lash out. It wasn't her fault. He wasn't fool enough to blame her for any of it. But the truth was frighteningly, plainly obvious. Getting close to her, letting her in, had only stoked the fire that raged inside of him, instead of dousing it like she had thought it would. It was the look in her eyes, he realized. The dull, almost numb look of acceptance in her eyes as she'd told him about her stalker. That look had just about gutted him. Christ, he'd never once thought to ask why she had given up a promising medical career to go to work for Nick's rowdy band of misfits. He'd never once wondered why such an amazing, intelligent, gorgeous woman was single and never seemed to have men around her. Some intelligent specialist he was. He hadn't even figured out what was going on with the only person in the world he actually cared about. And God, he didn't just care about her. Whatever it was he thought he'd felt for her before was nothing compared to the riot of emotion he felt for her now. She was becoming as precious to him as the air that he breathed. Probably even more so. And she was in danger. Real danger. Danger he couldn't do a single goddamn thing about. Impotent rage flooded through him as he surged up and strode throughout the room, directionless, trying to decide what to do. He needed to distance himself from her. That much was painfully clear. As wrenching as it would be to walk away from her, it would be the best thing for her. 
and he'd always known that. She didn't need some fuck-up of a man who couldn't control the anger that had taken root in his soul, and now grew out of control, as thick and choking as a weed. She didn't need a man who could express only one emotion, rage, and suppress all others, who would never, who could never utter the words she needed to hear, who couldn't even kiss her or make love to her. Because love, Christ, love was far more powerful than rage, and he didn't even want to imagine what it would do to him if he let himself feel it all the time, unguarded, unprotected, and unprepared with as much openness as she seemingly could. A hundred scenarios played out in his head at once, visions of their future life that taunted and teased and scared the hell out of him. How could he even think about trying to live a normal life with her? What if someone made him angry? What if they moved in together somewhere, but the neighbors played the stereo too loud? Would he beat the crap out of the neighbor in a fit of rage? What if someone intentionally hurt her. Wouldn't he outright kill anyone who did? Consequences be damned? And Jesus, if Alexandra did have a baby, wouldn't he tear the arms off anyone who even looked at the kid funny? Guess who'd never be invited back to PTA meetings anytime soon? Bjorn Johansson's psychopath dad, that's who. It was madness, all of it. Every scenario, every vision was worse than the last. When other men joked about beating up their daughter's boyfriends, they were only joking. Eric wouldn't be. Any man who even breathed near his daughter would be taking his life in his hands. And frankly, what girl needed a father like that? And if they had a son, and he turned out to be anything like the little shit-disturber Eric himself had been, would he be able to discipline the boy without flying into a rage? He just wasn't cut out to be a father or a husband, and yet Alexandra seemed to think he was or had the potential to be. She said so with every gentle touch, every loving look, every moment she spent in his arms. If anyone on earth was meant to be a wife and a mother, in addition to everything else she was, it was her. And for some reason he would never understand. He knew down to his soul that she wanted him to be the man that helped her become both. But he couldn't be. She needed stability and security. She needed a real man who could love her the way she deserved to be loved, who could help her raise their children with wisdom and gentle guidance, patience and good humor. She didn't need a soul-ravaged vet with a hair-trigger temper and a pathological aversion to love. Regardless of whatever fairy tale she'd woven for herself about their future together, he'd realized a long time ago that if he really did love her, Despite his fears and his fucked-up issues, and by God he did, then he'd have to let her go. Except now. God, now that he knew this asshole was still out there, lurking quietly, patiently waiting for her slightest misstep, there was no way he could just leave. Or rather, he could leave, but only if he devoted the rest of his life to finding the guy and making him pay. But even then, it wouldn't be enough, he realized, his gut churning at the mere thought of leaving her unprotected. He wouldn't be able to leave her, not unless he was absolutely sure that she was as safe and secure as she could possibly be, 
and that the entire Phoenix group was on the case, hunting this bastard down. If he knew that this guy couldn't get to her, if he knew she'd always be safe, then and only then could he find a way to leave her be. His stomach lurched painfully at the thought of living without her, but he willed the pain away. He was good at ignoring physical pain. He would just have to get good at ignoring this kind, too. If he knew that Nick was on the case, he reasoned, if he could be sure that Nick would keep her safe until they found the prick, he could leave right now, before he had a chance to change his mind. Before she had a chance to change his mind, with her beautiful eyes and her soft body and her heart-melting smile. If only he could talk to Nick right now and impress upon him how vital this was. He paused then, angling his head to the side in thought. The idea filtered in slowly, gaining strength as it took shape, until it was more than just a thought. There was a dawning certainty, an awareness that seemed so obvious now he cursed himself for not thinking of it before. If Nick had had the foresight to leave them an ATV, he had probably left them other things they might need in an emergency as well. Like a satellite phone. He just wouldn't have told them it was here or left it anywhere obvious. Nick was a crafty son of a bitch, after all. It would be just like him to let Alexandra think they were isolated up here, as she'd requested, but secretly salt the place with little backups in case it all went to shit. Hearing the shower go on above him, Eric took the stairs quickly and ducked into his room, emptying the contents of his duffel onto the bed. He rummaged through the various gadgets he always traveled with, and unearthed a compact black device that powered on with a low beep and a satisfyingly vivid status light, blinking red as if it were a cursor waiting for a command. God bless the guy who invented signal detectors, Eric thought. Glancing at the closed bathroom door, he ducked back out into the hallway and trotted down the stairs, holding up the device and scanning the room with it. Okay, where did you hide it, Sullivan? He muttered to himself, walking slowly around the room as he passed the scanner over the bench near the front door and swept it over their coats and bags for good measure. The device hummed quietly, static making the LED screen blip occasionally. He passed through the dining room and made a slow circle round the table, waving the device at the sideboard and the exuberant fern in the corner, too. Nothing. He took more time in the kitchen, passing the detector over every cupboard and drawer. Still nothing. Shit, he muttered. It was here somewhere. He knew it. He listened again for the reassuring sound of the shower still running and finished his scan of the kitchen. Near the doorway to the living room, the detector suddenly beeped, a weak, erratic signal dancing on the screen. The living room. He moved quickly, glancing up at the bookshelves that flanked the fireplace. He waved the device over the first set of shelves and watched the signal jump, the beeps increasing in frequency. He moved over to the second shelf and the beeping intensified, the signal practically leaping off the screen. He aimed the detector with more precision, guided by the increasing volume of the beeps, until the beeps melded into one long, high-pitched tone and the screen flashed, directly in front of him. The book on the shelf right before him, right at eye level, was a children's storybook. Jolly old Saint Nick. Eric blew out a disgusted breath and turned off the device. He shouldn't have even bothered with the signal detector, 
He should have just looked for something like this right away. He tucked the device into his back pocket, then slid the book out and peered into the darkness of the space behind it. There, sitting primly against the wall, a satellite phone blinked at him, its bright green lights announcing a clear, powerful, and likely encrypted signal. A power cord snaked out from beneath the phone and trailed behind the row of books down to the outlet on the far side of the bookshelf. Nick had apparently left it plugged in so that it would stay powered on, and so that Eric would be able to detect it. Eric scowled to himself, hating how much the man could anticipate him, but grateful that he could, all the same. He withdrew the phone and punched in the number he'd memorized long ago, waiting as the signal bounced around up in space and finally connected. He drummed his fingers against his thigh as the call rang through. Four. Five. Six times. Finally, a click. Mr. Briggs. Nick's smooth, mildly amused voice crackled distantly over the line. Asshole. A beat. So, I take it things are going well. Hearing Nick's voice and that syrupy, sarcastic tone of his made Eric's pulse jump. There was something else in his tone, too. Something slightly devious and conspiratorial. Maybe Alexandra hadn't told Nick the entire truth about her plans for this week, but Eric knew then that Nick had pretty much figured it out. And was about to bust Eric's balls over it, too. Humiliation flooded through him, which only stoked his anger more. You and I are going to have a conversation, Eric said, his voice just this side of threatening, about a lot of things. That's a promise, but for now, I just have one question for you. Another beat. And that is? Why is Paul Haggerty still breathing? Nick's heavy sigh managed to express frustration from however many thousands of miles away he currently was. That's a complicated question. Like hell it is. I want to know why you haven't taken this fucker out already. Two reasons, Nick said, his voice losing some of its jocularity. He was more serious now, and Eric was at least relieved to know the man was taking this issue as seriously as he should. He went underground. He dropped off the grid just after I brought Alex in. Bullshit! Why haven't you found him? Eric ground out, tilting his head to listen as the shower suddenly ceased above him. He's a ghost, Nick said simply. Quit his job, left his apartment, ceased all contact with friends and family, the whole nine yards. Must have been reading spy novel shit because he just fucking disappeared. And he did it well. There isn't so much as a library card with his name on it anymore. Eric paused, knowing he didn't have much time before Alexandra came downstairs. And the other reason? Nick sighed. Alex herself. She begged me not to kill the guy. What? Eric's voice vaulted, but he ducked into the kitchen and lowered it. Why the fuck would she do that? A surge of insane jealousy, a moment of absolute madness, assaulted him. She didn't still have feelings for this guy, did she? That wasn't possible, couldn't be possible. She said he'd beaten her and... and... He closed his eyes, unwilling to think about what else the guy had done to her, unwilling to let the rage grab hold of him again. There had to be another explanation. She said she couldn't be responsible for his death, Nick said, his voice the equivalent of a shrug. You know, the doctor thing do no harm and everything. You're shitting me. I shit you not. Does she know who she works for? Eric returned, incredulous. Jesus Christ. I know, I know. 
But she told me she feels somewhat responsible for making him the way he is, and couldn't live with herself if she were responsible for his death, too. Jesus fucking Christ, Eric breathed, closing his eyes. He turned and slammed his palm against the solid oak door frame. Pain blazed through his hand and up his arm, but he welcomed it. Physical pain was better than the anguish that seared through him now and made his muscles start to shake. She blames herself for what happened? Eric asked, keeping his voice tightly controlled. Some fucking stalker tries to kill her and she thinks it's her fault? The real question is, why are you asking me these questions? Nick asked. Why aren't you talking to her about it? I want him found, Eric bit out, ignoring him. Do whatever it takes, but find this fucker. Don't think we haven't tried. Try harder. Noises from overhead make Eric's already jittery heart skitter up into his throat. Alexandra was walking into her room and would likely be downstairs any minute now. Look, he's made no contact in over a year, Nick said, as if this would somehow placate Eric. It didn't. She thinks he's finally given up. I tend to agree. Do I sound like I give a fuck? Eric demanded. Find him, or so help me God. Okay, calm down. We'll find him. You have my word. And I want someone watching her, 24-7. She'll give you grief about it, but I don't care. I need to know she's going to be safe. Yeah, of course she'll be safe, Nick said, confusion darkening his voice. But as for 24-7, well, I figured after this week, you'd be the best person for that particular job. Nick paused, weightily. Then, finally, Was I wrong? You both were. Jesus, Briggs, what's the matter with you? Nick's voice climbed in frustration. I'm warning you, don't fuck this up with her. It's none of your business, Eric said harshly, embarrassment burning his cheeks. It never was. Look, I gotta go. He heard her moving about in the hallway upstairs and lowered his voice. I want you to come get us, now. Nick sighed heavily. Great, you already fucked it up. Just get up here, Eric snapped. Is she okay? She's fine, I just need you to come get us. Nick sighed again, even more heavily this time. Negative. Weather service advises against travel in the mountains until at least tomorrow morning. Even the helos won't risk it. Fuck, Eric muttered. His pulse leapt again as he heard her descending the stairs. We're still on schedule for Sunday, Nick said. Hang tight, Briggs. Maybe you two can think of something to do up there, all by yourselves, until Sunday. Fuck you. Love you too, man. And Nick hung up. When Alex came downstairs, freshly scrubbed and shampooed, wearing a yoga set and cozy sweater, there was a different quality to the feel of the cabin. It wasn't just the gray morning sky that cast a dull light throughout the ground floor, or the wind that howled against the windows, signaling the arrival of another storm. It was as if the air had gone out of the place, and in the silence left behind, she felt a tension she hadn't felt before. For a brief moment, she worried that Eric had left while she was in the shower. But then, small sounds of activity from the kitchen soothed her fears. He even seemed to be talking to himself. That wasn't like Eric. But she'd heard something all right. Something that felt very wrong. She paused in the doorway to the kitchen and saw him standing by the counter, 
pushing something into the cutlery drawer and quickly banging it shut. He turned to look at her accusingly, as if she'd interrupted him in some way, and she noted with alarm that his cold, grim expression was back. His eyes were steely when he would even look at her. And there was no breakfast. Something was definitely wrong. Is everything all right? she asked cautiously, moving to stand closer to the sink so she could better see his face. His mouth was a firm, thin line, and his eyes actually darted away from hers when she tried to engage him. Fine, he said, moving to the fridge and withdrawing the egg carton. He kept his back to her as he turned on the stove and cracked some eggs into the skillet. Are you sure? she frowned. Yes. One word answers again. Great. All right, then. How stubborn Eric she could handle. Wasn't like she hadn't met him before. She went over to the coffee maker and prepared a fresh pot, flipping the switch to percolate. She eased back against the sink and watched him work, a silent, hulking mass, so different from the sweet, tender man she'd woken up next to, not an hour before. He was making omelets, dicing up green peppers with a savagery that the vegetables just didn't deserve. He moved efficiently, shredding cheese and slicing mushrooms, his movements quick and anything but relaxed. Agitation radiated from him, and she considered slipping back upstairs to leave him to his own thoughts. But stubborn Eric was still Eric, and she had only two more days with him. She didn't want to spend any part of them hiding from his moods. Looks like a storm's coming, she said, withdrawing the coffee carafe and pouring herself a cup. She held the cup between her hands and gazed out the window, at the roiling, brooding sky. Up here in the mountains, even a storm could look beautiful, she thought, as grey clouds swirled and billowed thunderously in the near distance. Trees bent wildly in sudden sharp gusts of wind and whipped back in the other direction as the wind changed and whistled through them, dusting their tips with snow. The sky was growing angrier, but it was as if the mountain itself was fighting back, pushing the storm westward, challenging its right to remain. Eric followed her glance and squinted, then went back to preparing the food. He slid an omelet out of the skillet and onto a plate. Look, Eric, she said cautiously, I'm sorry I brought up all that stuff about Paul. He turned quickly and set the plate in front of her banging it down on the table so that it clanked against the cutlery. He shot her a fierce look and then turned back to slide the other omelet onto his plate. We're leaving, he said. She stopped sipping her coffee and put the cup down. What? We're leaving. He turned and brought his plate to the table, swinging his leg over the chair and dropping down into it. After we eat. I don't think that's a good idea, she said, frowning out the window at the tumult of the dark clouds. You saw what happened last time I tried to walk down. The There's an ATV in the back shed. We'll be down in less than an hour. She blinked. Confusion furrowed her brow. Wait a minute. What? There's a... Get your gear together and pack up some food and water, just in case. He looked at his watch. I'd like to be out of here in thirty. Hold on she said, putting up a hand. Slow down a minute. How do you know there's an ATV here? Nick said there wouldn't be any vehicles. Nick's a liar, he said simply. I found it in the back shed. You found it? She blinked. When? Yesterday. 
She blinked again, her mind racing. Yesterday? You, f you found it yesterday? When? What the fuck does it matter? He said, irritation making him snappish. His eyes blazed at her, but then he looked down to spear his food. Before you came outside to do your snow angels. He paused and his jaw muscle jumped. Just finish your food so we can get going. Eric, I don't understand. There's nothing to understand. Why didn't you tell me you'd found it? She persisted. Alexandra, please! He practically shouted. She jumped involuntarily, and he paled, gentling his voice on a frustrated sigh. I'm sorry. Just... just finish your food, okay? She pushed her plate away, not having taken a single bite. No, not until you answer me. I'd like to know what the hell is going on here. He pinned her with a stern look, but then lowered his eyes to his plate. I didn't tell you because it didn't matter. It was only going to be a few more days, and... I, I didn't feel the need to leave right then. She regarded him, a strange tightness settling in her belly. He had wanted to stay. He could have left yesterday, but he'd wanted to stay with her. Normally, such a realization would have catapulted her into new realms of hope and downright joy, but her euphoria was stifled before it even had a chance to grow. Because that was yesterday, and now, today, all he wanted to do was get the hell out of Dodge. They'd shared too much last night, she realized. And this morning. They'd let each other see their weak spots, and it was scaring him. Either that or her particular story involved way too much baggage for a man like him to deal with. Whatever it was, he was guarding himself again, distancing himself from her. Alarm slid through her, not in a jagged bolt, but in a slow, turgid wave. But you want to leave now, she said. It wasn't a question. Yes, I want to leave now. She watched him stabbing at his eggs, not looking at her. Anger had replaced agitation in the aura that radiated from him, as well as a tension that made her believe, more and more as the minutes ticked by, that their intimacy over the last few hours had brought about this sudden change in him. Or perhaps it was the realization that their time here was coming to an end, and that by his own reckoning he'd have to start reverting to the hands-off friendship mode he'd said he wanted to resume. Or, worse. Maybe he was preparing to cut all ties. Maybe this was his way of saying goodbye. She tapped her fork against her plate, biting her lip in thought, struggling to control the fear that clawed at her. Fear that slowly trickled into anger. Muted, impotent, but anger all the same. Fine, she said, after a moment. Have a safe trip. His eyes shot up to hers. We both will. You're coming with me. She stood and picked up her coffee cup. No, I'm not. I'm staying here until Nick comes for me on Sunday. It's only another two days. You, however, can do whatever you like. Bullshit. You're coming with me. What, you gonna throw me over the back of the ATV and force me to leave? If I have to. She glared at him, 
tears prickling at her eyes. I am staying, she said icily, and left the kitchen. Her legs felt weak, her stomach clenched, and she felt almost dizzy, fighting desperately to stave off the panic that threatened to swamp her. She paused by the entrance to the dining room to look out over the mountainside and the swirling gray clouds, and sipped her coffee with trembling lips. He was with her in an instant, standing in front of her to force her gaze away from the window. Listen to me, he said, his eyes sharp and as serious as she'd ever seen them. I'm not leaving you up here by yourself. You're my responsibility, and I am not, she protested. I am no one's responsibility, Eric, especially not yours. He sighed, closing his eyes in frustration as he regrouped. What I mean is, I don't feel comfortable leaving you up here by yourself. You don't have any survival skills, and if something goes wrong, I can take care of myself, she said firmly. She stepped away and put her cup down on the table, bracing her hands on the back of a chair for support. So just go, if you're going. Don't drag it out by pretending you have to take me with you. He came to stand beside her and dipped his head to catch her eyes. Alexandra, don't, she warned, tears welling in her eyes. If this is goodbye, then just say so. He sighed again, his breath ragged. He ran his hand along the back of his neck and closed his eyes. Look, it's not necessarily. Goodbye, he finally said. I haven't decided what I'm going to do about PGI yet, but we need to get out of here that much, I know. Why? she demanded. Why do we have to leave right now? Because we've been having too much fun? Too much sex? Yes, actually, he said sharply. That's exactly why. This whole thing has been insane. It has to stop. We have to stop. And unless we leave here, they weren't going to stop. The unspoken words ignited a tiny flare of hope in her. If they stayed, they'd make love again. And again. And at some point, he'd have to stop pretending it meant nothing. It isn't insane, as far as I'm concerned, she said quietly. She reached out tentatively and touched him, so lightly, feeling his heart beating beneath her hand. Her gaze drifted up to meet his eyes, and pain sliced through her. He looked so stricken, so torn. I want to be with you, Eric. I want to spend every minute I can with you. I love you. Jesus, he breathed, closing his eyes. His eyes flew open again and sharpened on her with new resolve. Then don't make me say things you don't want to hear. She blinked at him. Like what? What could be worse than the things you've already said to me? Something flickered in his eyes, but he recovered quickly. Look, I've tried to be gentle with you. I've tried my damnedest to be kind to you, to be sensitive to your feelings. But you just don't get it, do you? This was never going to be permanent. She opened her mouth but couldn't speak. His tone was so flat and yet so tightly restrained at the same time. She felt absurdly like she was in the middle of a play, watching him recite lines and express feelings that weren't his. Like she was watching Daniel Briggs step back into Eric's body and take control. 
She stared at him, willing him to relent, willing his eyes to soften and his arms to open to her. But he just stared back at her. I tried to tell you from the beginning, he said, frustration clipping every word. I told you I'd fuck you if that's what you wanted, but it was never going to be anything more than that. And it would end when our time here did. If you imagined it turning into something more... He blew out a long breath. Well, that was just never an option. This wasn't news to her, but somehow hearing him say it so starkly was like a knife through her heart. Despite her best attempts to shield herself against hope, a part of her had begun to hope, had started to believe that the man who had pulled her to him in bed last night, cradled her in his arms until morning, might actually want that intimate connection to continue. To hear him try to kill that hope with a few cold words was far more painful than she could have imagined. Why not? she asked, dabbing valiantly at the corners of her eyes. I don't understand. Why not? Because it just isn't. He spaced the words for emphasis, his eyes hardening. And since you seem to be having a hard time accepting the truth, I think it's best we leave. The truth? <laughs> she laughed on a brittle burst of air. I'm not the one that can't accept the truth. He didn't reply at first. He just stared at her, as if he knew that anything he said now would be a mistake, as if he knew exactly what truth she was talking about and didn't dare open that door for her to walk through. But then he took a step backwards, far enough so that she couldn't touch him even if she wanted to, and he spoke. Think whatever you want, Alexandra, if it makes you feel better. If you need to justify having sex with me by pretending that we're in love, I can't stop you. But I, I can't go along with it either. You're such a liar, she whispered, defying the tears that threatened to spill. You know what I can't do? I can't let you keep running away from me. I'm not running away from any... Do you love me? He stiffened. Alexandra, do you love me, Eric? I'll even say it for you. All you have to do is nod. Do you love me? His Adam's apple bobbed. No. No? She challenged, stepping closer. You don't love me? No. Liar, she whispered. Because you told me you did. In another language. When you thought I wouldn't understand. When you thought I was dying. But you said it. She stepped closer, her throat tightening. Her eyes filming. Her voice faltered. Eric, do you love me? The words seemed to hit him. Almost physically knock him back and she saw his Adam's apple working again as he swallowed, as his eyelashes fluttered quickly. I told you, he faltered, looking down at her, his eyes wild. I was upset. I didn't mean what I said then. I'm sorry. She stared at him, looking for something in the heat of his eyes, searching for even a trace of regret. Their eyes locked, and her chin began to tremble, entirely on its own. He was so close to her. His scent surrounded her, tortured her, 
His warmth teased her with the promise of another tender embrace. She wanted to reach for him, to fall against him and bury herself in his strength, his comforting arms, but his eyes blazed with a bitter, silvery light, and she couldn't move. Besides, they're just words, Alexandra, he said. You know better than anyone that saying it and meaning it are two different things. I mean, Christ, this haggerty asshole told you he loved you, right? While he was trying to fucking kill you? Right, she said, watching him. Thanks for pointing that out. I might have forgotten that part. Alexandra, he said fiercely, anger masking the shame that had slackened his face when she spoke, or perhaps even earlier, at his own thoughtless words. Just, fuck Jesus, I'm just saying, don't throw your life away on a few meaningless words. If only he realized, she thought, watching him, it wasn't a few mumbled words that she was clinging to. It was this moment, and hundreds of others like it. It was the way he looked at her, the way he touched her. It was every emotion she'd ever seen glittering back at her from the depths of his eyes. It was the way his lips felt on her skin, the way he gazed down at her as he stroked into her, the way he trembled and cried out as he came inside her and buried his face in her hair. It was all the pain and doubt and the fierce determination to hold himself firm against the onslaught of his feelings. It wasn't his words that kept hope alive in her. It was his desperate, aching silences that spoke to her soul. He loved her, she realized, sadly, but he would never let go, would never give in, would never ring that bell. He loved her. He just didn't love her enough. She took a step back of her own, folding her arms across her chest. So that's it, then. You don't love me, and this has just been a few days of meaningless sex. He swallowed, something vivid glittering in his eyes. Yes. And now you want to drive me into town and just leave. Just take off and never see me again. It wasn't a question. You want to just walk away, like I mean nothing to you. He didn't speak. She could see him struggling to come up with something to say to her, something that might soften the bluntness of her words, but not ultimately deny the truth in them. He didn't like hearing it put so frankly, she could see, but he wasn't willing to offer her anything else instead. She challenged him with brimming eyes, giving him one last chance to end this insanity. All he had to do was step forward, touch her, just even reach for her, and she'd go to him. She'd tell him she didn't need anything from him, that she would never ask him to utter those words to her again, in any language. She didn't need a relationship or a commitment or promises he couldn't keep. She just needed him. All he had to do was make the slightest effort to show her how he felt and she would do the rest. But he didn't move. He stood inches from her and miles away, only his eyes showing any sign of emotion at all. Fine, she said tightly, her throat all but closed over with grief. 
Let's go then. I'll be ready in half an hour.